right. Well, um, we're going to continue on talking about some uh, issues of the Christian warfare. Uh, and we're specifically going to talk a little bit about um, being established. Um, you know, as we we go through this day-to-day battle, uh, fighting the 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 temptations and going through all of the problems that we go through, um, majority of our battles are going to, as I've said before, be fought in our own hearts, in our own minds. And as we struggle through that, um, there are some key principles that we need to understand before we move on a little bit further into what... uh, how we're going to continue this battle. And it's going to start in a certain area. We have to, if you will, establish the goings of our life. We have to establish how we're going to move forward for Jesus Christ. How are we going to be a soldier that pleases him? How are we going to fight the way he wants us to fight? And uh, if you think about what's going on over in Romans chapter 12, where he's talking about that transformed mindset, and he's talking about obviously thinking very differently than the world thinks. Uh, there's in verse 21, there's the, 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 the verse that talks about uh, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and and when we think about that, how we go about doing that, how we overcome, uh, just like we were singing with the standing on the provinces, how do we how do we overcome daily? How do we get to a part where where on a consistent basis we are seeing a victorious Christian life? Now, obviously, we know for a fact that God has has given us a victory. We know that according to the book of Colossians, he has spoiled principalities and powers. We understand that. We understand that there's a means of escape, as we've talked about time and time again. But here we are now talking about, uh, um, if you will, the, the, the foundational element of how we, how we think in our hearts so that we can combat that sin on a day-to-day basis. We can combat that desire to do our own will. We can combat the sin and temptation that is is prevalent in this world. And and, and how do we deal with these external uh, 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 elements that are against us and how we start with the internal elements of our heart? And if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start there, Ephesians 6, and he says in Ephesians 6 in, in uh, verse... Uh, um, <clears throat> Uh, verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So again, we understand where strength comes from. Ephesians 6 makes it very clear. Strength in his might is from, or strength in might is from him. And the only way we can actually combat in this Christian life is to have an understanding and a desire of how how powerful God is. And we talked about that, about where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So if there's a lot of sin in this world that we see now, we understand that there is a lot more grace that is available that is out there. Now, again, we don't sin for the purpose, and Paul covers this in Romans, we don't sin for the purpose of of bringing more grace in. He says that's not the mindset. What we do is we have the mindset of pleasing God and using that grace the, cor- the correct and the proper way. 
But he says in verse 11, he says, put on the a whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And he repeats this again, as we said over and over again in verse 13, he says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And in verse 14, stand therefore. So obviously we see three areas where he's talking about how we go about standing, how we, uh, uh, you know, if you will, establish our ways. And, and I want us to think about this, this process and how this works. And I want us to turn over to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Because if we, we want to have the ability to stand, number one, we have to have an established foundation. In order to stand, the first thing we have to understand is you have to have an established foundation. Uh, trying to stand when you don't have anything to stand on creates a problem. Um, if you've ever tried uh, to stand in one of those bounce houses, uh, it's crazy. I can't. It's like you're a ship at sea. It's the, you know back and forth, and, and and you're trying to do something, and you're pretty sure that at some point in time, your your bum knee is going to give out if you're standing on that. It, it, it's it's not it's not uh, there isn't anything there to hold us. Um, uh, I was in my backyard and I was helping my neighbor trim uh, this this Japanese maple. Well, this Japanese maple is massive. There's, I, I didn't know there were different types of Japanese maples, but this one is huge. And we were trimming some of these branches off after that big storm that we had, and we were cleaning it up, uh, trying to figure out and determine which ones we were going to try to keep so we could keep the privacy screen, all of that. We're working on it. And I step in an area that just looked to me like it was a little muddy, but little did I know that uh, our dog Daisy had previously been digging there, and what I was about to step into that looked like it had grass on it was not actually ground. And I stepped in, and, and I had my muck boots on because it was a little swampy out in the backyard because Well Ridgefield is built on a swamp. And and I stepped, and it went all the way almost to the top of the boot. Thankfully, it didn't. I didn't know that my dog could dig that deep. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to start putting her to use. You know, if she's going to dig like that, I'm going to need a whole perimeter around there and get her to dig a certain way. But I stepped, and what I thought was solid ground wasn't. And, and I, and I want to bring this up with the issue of temptation, the issue of, of problems that arise, uh, any tribulation, any affliction that comes up, that, that happens and occurs with us, uh, anything that is attacking against us, if we don't have something there to stand on, we are going to fall. So we understand that the very first thing about standing is you must have an established foundation. You must have something to stand on, because if you are not standing on anything, you are essentially falling. You're just going to fall. I mean, if I was to try to walk in and think that, you know, hey, I'm going to stand... And I'm going to step right here. What's going to happen? Well, I'm going to fall and I'm going to fall on my face. I'm going to fall and injure myself. I'm going to do something that, that, that causes harm. And this is where a Christian has to rethink this process and rethink how they're going to go about standing. And the understanding of standing is establishment. Establishment. In today's day and age, you, you say the word establishment and it's almost like it's a bad word. 
It's almost like when you say, well, you know, the, the establishment, the, the, the people hate that word. Because they think of the establishment as a bunch of old fogies that are just, you know, not wanting to change, that are probably, you know, a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, racist or whatever. And, and, and you say the establishment and people, people know what that means and they're like, we don't want that. We don't want that. Well, if you don't have the establishment, say, of the foundations of this country, then our country has nothing to stand on. And what I've seen through all of the stuff in scripture that aligns with, uh, aligns with our principles that our founding fathers put forth, the one thing that I see is very clearly they understood that they needed the Bible to guide them and direct them. Otherwise they weren't going to have a foundation. And that's what we as Christians have to have. We have to understand that. We have to understand that concept. So here we are in Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 26, it says right there, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. So God wants you to do a couple of things here. First and foremost, he wants you to think about where you're going. He wants to think about where you're going. So one of the key things about understanding established, uh, you know, Christian, uh, walk, a Christian foundation is, is this, is that first and foremost, you have to think about where you're going. This Christian life, as I keep saying, is not an autopilot. There is no autopilot. If there's an autopilot function and you're pushing it, I guarantee you nothing's happening. <laughs> uh, you must think. God gave you a brain to think. He gave you a heart and a mind in which the 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 the, the, I, the thought processes and the wills of who we are comes forth. What are, what's on the throne of our heart? So here he is, and he says in verse uh, verse twenty six, he says, "Ponder the path of thy feet." You should be knowing where you were going at all times. You should be knowing where you are, what direction you are headed at all times. Uh, the other day, th- there must have been some sort of a little update or something. I didn't realize it, but uh, I- I'm sitting there driving along, and I noticed that on my little GPS display, the nav screen, it popped up with this little triangle with a little, you know, exclamation mark. And I'm like, what? What is this? And I, and I, and I pushed it and it, it, it was cause it was hovering right over, uh, off of the, uh, uh, it was 117th over by fourth plane and I pushed it and it said slow moving maintenance vehicle ahead. I'm like, okay. And I started paying attention to that map now. And I started noticing that it was telling me when traffic was slowing. And uh, beforehand, I just, you know, I didn't really think of it. I, that's a, This is the first car I've ever had that had those maps in it. My uh, wife, I think uh, Volvo did and the Acura does. But I just generally don't but don't look at those things. Because I'm trying to pay attention to the road. <laughs> but I looked at it and I was like, oh, wow. And here, here we are, you know, it's giving us clear directions. It's telling us exactly where we're going. And we, we we can see that we have that in the physical life, but do, do we have that in our spiritual life? 
And the answer is absolutely yes. We can take a look at every single path we are on, and while we cannot necessarily see the future, God has told us what the end result of our, you know, the consequences of our actions will be if we do X, Y, and Z. So when we're pondering it, we are actually thinking about what are my consequences? In order to think about an establishment in our mind, an established foundation that we can stand on, then we have to go through this process of thinking, okay, well, what is my end goal here? Where is it I want to go? What are, what are my challenges along the way? Now, I'm not talking about this in some form of like a, you're trying to do some sort of research project or you're trying to do something that is, uh, a, a, again, um, uh, dare I say, um, uh, business-oriented or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that very clearly is, is a spiritual thing. These are things that we have to think about. Pondering just isn't sitting there going, oh, I wonder... No, pondering means that you are, are are pondering, are you willing to accept the consequences? Uh, do you know what the consequences are? Do we know what that action is based off of? Do we understand the 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 the, the outcome that God wants to see? And in the same verse, in verse 26, he says, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. So he says, now I want you to think about it, but the direction and the way that you're doing it, I want you to have it firm, and I want it to have a foundation to it. Because when we start talking about things that that, that are being established, we're talking about something that is being set up, something that is being uh, put together for the purpose of making something firm. You're establishing it. There, there, there's this idea and the concept that it is going to be a permanent thing. So you, you, you go to these businesses and it will, it'll say something on there. It'll say the EST period and then it'll give a date. When it was established. And they go back to that point and they say, okay, this is when things began. And this is the foundation, the mission statement, if you will, that we move forward with throughout that. The same thing is true. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, there was a an establishment. Your foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, how we go about building and how we go about walking in this Christian life, and there's all those typologies that are there, are going to be based upon Jesus Christ. If our our foundation of salvation is Jesus Christ, then everything else must be Jesus Christ thereafter. So when we look at this concept, he's saying, look, I want you to establish all all, all your ways. I want you to make sure that they have a firm uh, if you will, foundation that they, you can stand on these things. That the pathway isn't uh, littered before you with, with pitfalls and, and traps and all sorts of things. I want you to, to clearly establish how you're going to go about walking this path. Turn to another passage 
you know, again, this is where God is telling us, uh, uh, turn to Proverbs 16. In, in Proverbs 4, he's talking about thinking about our direction and, and, and if you will, determining to make that, that way established. Part of that purposing that we should be doing in our Christian life. We should purpose and determine in our life that we are going to have our ways established. That we are not just going to walk around this life and, and living that, uh, um, what will be will be mentality, the laissez-faire, uh, uh, kind of concept. That's, that's, not, that's not Christianity. That is something that is against what God wants us to be. He wants us to have purpose. He wants us to. In, in, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, in verse 3, we have a, a very familiar passage. And these are again some familiar ones that we, we look at. And he says, commit thy, thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now, now again, here we are talking about purpose. We're talking about commitment. That we are actually committing resources. So when you go about purposing to do something, you are setting in your heart and in your mind, this is what I'm going to do. When you commit it to it, then that means you are adding something into it that you are, uh, uh, that, that is a resource that you are going to make it happen. So when you are committing something, then that means that you are taking that resource, material, and you are designated for that project. It's being, if you will, sacrificed. It's being put forth. It's being purchased. There's a commitment that is given. This is no longer a just, a, if you will, a wishful thought. You are actually doing it. You go about to build a home or something of that nature. You go buy the property. Well, now you're committing. You know, you, you're only so far committed until the point of where you go and you pour the foundation. Now, now you're really somewhat committed. But the minute that you go buy the lumber and the materials and the roofing and the windows and the plumbing and you hire the contractors, uh, to do the plumbing and do the electrical and do everything that needs to be done and you sign the dotted line and you agree on those contracts, you're going to move forward with these projects, you're going to move forward with these services and what they're going to do for you, you are now committing to it. You're saying, I am affirming this is what is happening. It's no longer, again, just this kind of, if you will, surreal, ethereal, maybe sort of kind of thing. And by the way, that's not what purposing is supposed to be either. Purposing purposing is supposed to be something that is, that leads to commitment. And here we find in verse 3, he says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So the very first thing that God wants you to do is he wants you to take everything that you were doing and if you will, put that onto the altar, put that into the resource bin and say everything that I'm doing right now, I'm giving that to the Lord for the purpose of completing this project, whatever it may be. Everything that I have bought, everything that I have invested in, everything that is uh, is making me up, I am now committing those resources to do that. So that's the idea and the concept. When we take a look at our works, what are we doing? Uh, We have to ask ourselves first and foremost, is every work that I'm doing, is that for and committed to God? When we start thinking that way, we we start establishing the process of how we're going to think. 
You, what you're doing is you're building a biblical habit. Now, again, when people start thinking about habits in, 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 the, in the way that habitually people do things, they think of it kind of somewhat in, 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 the, in a wrong sense. They think of, uh, like, smoking is a bad habit. They think of, uh, of uh, uh, picking your nose and wiping it on the wall, bad habit. Um, you know, things of that nature. I'm just, I'm just using some things that, that people look uh, upon as poor, you know, sitting there and while you're eating dinner, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, picking things out of your, your, your teeth and, and flinging them onto your plate. That's generally a poor habit. Okay. You, you look at those and you can we, you know, kind of laugh and we say, well, hopefully people aren't doing that. Or if they do, well, Okay. But you, you look at it as a bad habit. But what, what God wants us to do is he wants us to have good habits. That means that they are thoughtfully done. They are thoughtfully done. When people get into addictions, they get to a point of where they just naturally gravitate to what they have been addicted to. But what happens is, is sometimes they get into that mindset where they don't think, and they just go into that pattern of behavior. But God wants us to think, ponder, and if we're committing what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, saying, the work that I'm doing right now, I'm going to commit this to God. It is His, and it is His alone. Therefore, it needs to be His outcome. Then that means I am establishing my thought process of how this is going to operate. How I'm going to stand. So if I'm committing my works to combating sin in my life, I'm going to start establishing how I'm going to think scripturally. The biblical habits. And again, they're not these habits that they just kind of like, if you will, willy-nilly just autopilot come in. No, it is a habit that is thought of. The habit begins in your mind that you initially think, I need to do this for the Lord. Not just doing something with your body and then going, wait, I didn't mean to do that. Then there's a disconnect. God wants us to go through this process of committing, purposing, if you will, surrendering everything that we do to him. Our our works. And, And what that's going to lead to is that's going to establish that biblical thinking pattern. The biblical thinking pattern. If we get into a, a point where, where where we have those habits that we do things, uh, it was uh, it was told of Charles Spurgeon. He was often mocked because of the way he would preach. Back in the day, they obviously had uh, fashion that was very different from ours, but they would have coats with tails like this, and they would come down a little bit further. And, and, and he would have a habit of while he's preaching and he's behind this pulpit and beforehand, the, the, the mentality was, is that you stood there behind the pulpit and you did not move and you kept in a monotone voice and he just, he didn't do any inflection. Well, that wasn't Spurgeon. Spurgeon would be gesturing. Spurgeon would be emphasizing. He would raise and lower his voice accordingly. Things of that nature. Not to, to, if you will, put on a show, but to, to use what God had given him. But part of what he would do is as he would, you know, when his hands weren't gesturing or something, he would put them behind and he would have those tails 
at the back and he would, he would instinctively take his tails and he would go back there and he'd begin to play with the tails of his coat. And some people would get distracted by that if they could see it because he's back there playing around with those tails on his coat. And it was a habit that he did. And people mocked him because of it. And he knew that he, he, he had to get out of that habit. He knew that he had to move past that. So, again, you know, there's the struggle that is there. It's the hand that's automatic. We all do things automatically. We all do things. When we wake up in the morning, there are certain things that we do out of force of habit, and there are certain things that we do when we go to bed at force of habit, so on and so forth. When we sit down at a table to eat, there's things that are force of habit, all these things, and sometimes they just become these automatic processes. But commitment isn't automatic. Commitment is a specific action that is performed in the heart and in the mind that you say, I am going to give this to God right now. Not that I'm going to commit everything that I do tomorrow to God. No, commitment is a as-it-happens occurrence. So we've got to get into that. When we get into that mindset, what happens is it begins to create that established biblical thought pattern that he just talks about right there in verse three. He says, and thy thoughts shall be established. If if your works are committed unto the Lord and you're doing it with purpose, then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to begin to build that establishment in your life that you will have a pattern to which you can go back to. The template for doing what is right. The template for doing what is right. And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to establish a biblical thinking pattern. Turn to chapter 12 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. And, and, and take a look at this in verse 3. Now very clearly we see something here where God's saying you can't have an establishment that is scriptural and biblical if wickedness is part of it. In verse 3, a man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. You realize what God's saying there? If you are introducing sinfulness and sin into your life, there will be nothing upon which you can establish a foundation. There will be no standing. However, if you do what is righteous then there is going to be a firmness associated with it. A grounding. The established part of it. Sin is never going to establish it. If Look, if you continue to put the sin into your life, then one thing that you will find out is that you are an unstable soul. An unstable soul. A person that the Bible calls incontinent, Meaning they can't control themselves. A person that, that, that is, uh, um, if you will, driven by their own lusts and desires. And our lusts and our desires, let's just be honest, they change minute by minute, don't they? Our lusts and our desires change to whatever we want whenever we think that's when we want it. 
or we need it. We think we need it. But here he's making it very clear. He says, look, you, you're, you're not going to be establishing anything if wickedness is part of the repertoire. It's got to be removed. It has to be removed. Turn to chapter 15 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 15. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 15. <clears throat> in verse 22, we've read this verse a couple of times. It says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. So again, if you're trying to purpose something in your life and you have not sought counsel from the word of God, expect to be disappointed. That, that, that is your expectation. If you have not sought God in the matter, then you can fully expect you will be disappointed with the outcome. It will not be what you thought it would be. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. If you want a purpose in your life to go about pleasing the Lord, and I should, I'll, I'll say this, every Christian should purpose in their heart to please the Lord. If you don't want to please the Lord, I think we have a greater issue we have to discuss. Because now you've got a God that is not God in your life. There, there should be no other gods before him. If for some reason you're wanting to please something else other than God, and he sits second fiddle, then you have an idol. You've got a greater issue. But let's establish that right now, as believers, we want to please God with our life. If we want to please God with our life, then we come to this verse here where he's specifically saying... Um, uh, that, that we have to have an established thought process. We have to have counselors to tell us how to do that. And again, we have multiple counselors throughout Scripture. Everyone from Paul to Moses to Adam to Abraham to David to Samson to, to, to even the bad ones. We go through and we see there's a multitude of counselors that are there. There's a multitude of books that are in this, in, in the Bible. And at the same time, we should be actively seeking counsel from an individual or individuals that may be able to show us things from Scripture that we don't know. <clears throat> Beforehand, uh, I was talking with Mike Perry before prayer. We were talking about... Um, uh, a couple of things um, in, in the subject of, like, you know, and not that we're trying to do it. It was just some questions that were being, we were, we're talking about, um, uh, about like, well, if we had to build a, a new building and things like that. And I said, well, if we had to do a building program, I said, just let me be clear here. Any color that I have left in my hair will be gone. <laughs> um, I, I just, I can't do that. And he was, he was commenting, he said, yeah, when they built a little ADU on their property, um, it was, it was stressful. And I said, yeah, just imagine it with a church. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, that's 10 times at least. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And, um, and, and the, the idea and the thought process is if that should ever happen, that, that we need to build a bit new building, whether we outgrow this one or something happens to this one, whatever it may occur, 
we've got to do something. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to seek counsel from people, from pastors that have built buildings. What are the pitfalls? What are the things I have to watch out for? What are the things I need to avoid? Uh, I'm going to talk to people that know things about how to build. Look, I'm not a construction guy. I know, I know enough to be dangerous. Um, but I also know that if I'm dangerous, then I'm putting others in danger. So you don't want me wiring. Now look, uh, I, I'm more than happy to do, you know, I, I actually think plumbing is kind of interesting. I know that's weird, but you know, plumbing for me, not a problem. I can do my own plumbing to a degree. But I'm also not going to sit there and say that I know code or what needs to happen and how this needs to work or anything of that nature. So do you know what I do? I hire the professionals. I hire waterways. <laughs> Electrical work needs to be done. I hire Prairie Electric. I mean, uh, not, not putting in plugs for them, but I'm, you know what I'm saying is I hire somebody to do that. And I'll discuss and I'll talk with them because they have the understanding about what needs to be done and how to do it the right way. So if I'm going to purpose in my life to do something, the first thing I want to do is I want to know from the counsel of the Word of God, is that the right action? Is that or even the right thought process? Or should I be thinking it differently? So I have to go about, if you will, establishing it from a biblical perspective. You cannot have a foundation of anything else other than Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Other other foundations are not sure. We go into the whole parable about the man that built his house upon the sand and the man that built his house upon the rock. One stood, the other one fell. So that when the winds came and the rains came and the floods came, only one was capable of withstanding that because it was established in a firm foundation, a rock Jesus Christ. The other one was just shifting sands. Difficult to build upon. Impossible to have structure. And as we think about this here, this is what God's getting to to us about how we establish our thought processes. How do we go through the thoughts of our heart? How do we establish them in such a way that we have these biblical patterns? Well, first and foremost, you have to have the Bible involved. The Bible has to be involved. It has to be from that perspective. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24. This is, again, all about, you know, establishing the way we think. In Proverbs chapter 24 and in verse 3... It says, through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers uh, be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now again, I, I like this these two verses here because it talks about the building process, and then it also talks about the furnishing process. As I've told you before, I, I dealt with interior design. Interior design isn't just knowing what color of paint goes on the wall, but knowing how the paint matches the couch and vice versa. But what we see here is we see that as God has clearly stated that, that we are to be thoroughly furnished with the things of the word of God, as we see over there, that that's what that man of God is supposed to be doing. 
What we find here is in similar fashion is if we are purposing to build something in our life, we are purposing to go through the process of, of building for Jesus Christ. We're committing on the materials and the resources and the effort and the time and the work to it. We are then turning around saying, I've got a biblical uh, blueprint and a pattern for this. Then I need to have an understanding of how this all comes together. The wisdom is when we actually look at it and we see that coming together, but there has to be an understanding that is in our life in order to have an established thought process. What I mean by this is this, is if you don't understand the Word of God, you are going to have a very difficult time standing when evil comes your way. When affliction comes your way and you don't understand Bible, you're going to struggle. It's just that simple. Now, I'd love to say that, you know, when you trust Christ as your Savior, boom, everything is going to be hunky-dory and everything's roses and, and you're super Christian and you have all knowledge and everything and you're going to always make the right decision. That doesn't happen. You know what you have to do? You have to work at it. Not to keep your salvation, praise God. We're sealed, but we have to go through a process of working at it. And look, Bible knowledge does not just come overnight. It is a process of continuing in a biblical pattern on a day-to-day basis, constantly reaffirming it. So there is an understanding that is involved about what we need to do. You ever try to talk to somebody that just doesn't understand what you're saying? And you just, you're constantly telling them and they just look at you with that look. The, 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 the girls were out uh, on the ladies retreat and, um, I was sitting down and I was relaxing on the couch and inevitably, because we have the back window, the, the blinds open, uh, inevitably the bunnies come through and taunt the dogs and they're out there and they're just, you know, having a good old time eating what they're eating. And, uh, you know, apparently, you know, dogs being dogs, they're territorial, right? They see a squirrel, they bark. They see a leaf move, they bark. They see, I mean, you know, Bella, she hears a weird voice. She barks. It's just, you know, dogs bark. Uh, that's the nature of it. But, you know, at some point in time where they're just like, bark, 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 you're like, shut up. <laughs> and, and, and I get up and I walk over there. And of course, Rolo's trying to, you know, he's barking and then Daisy's barking. And I get up and as soon as I get up, Daisy knows now's the time to figure out I got to go do something else. You know, <laughs> she starts looking around like, I got to, I got to find you to get out of here. And she starts moving away. She starts moving away. And she moves away, and I call her, and I say, come. And she comes, and she just stands there. And she, like, she knows she's in trouble. And I know I'm humanizing the dog. <clears throat> but but I'm, I, I, I found myself actually having an audible conversation with the dogs when nobody else was around. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> And I'm looking at both of them, and I'm like, you know, the barking is doing nothing for the bunny outside. The bunny does not care. Look at him. He's indifferent. 
And I'm, I'm having this conversation, and Rolo's just standing there, you know, tail wagging, and he's looking, he's still like, you know, growling. He's not paying attention to any word that I'm saying. Daisy's looking at me like she's trying to understand. She's got that look, but it's also kind of the blank stare. You know, sometimes I think that's the way it is with us and God. I mean, there we are, and we're barking at a bunny, and we're not supposed to. And God's like, why are you doing that? And we just go. (laughs) He's like, don't do that. And then we wag our tail. God walks away, and what do we do? There's the bunny again. Mark! Disobedient. Look, there's a reason why God refers sometimes to people as dogs, all right? Sometimes that's the understanding. And then he just goes one step further, and he just puts us at sheep level. Sheep, no. <laughs> but you understand, we, we, we have to have an understanding of what God's saying to us. If we don't have that understanding, then we cannot have an established thought process. If we don't have an established thought process, we have no foundation to stand on. And we cannot stand to face against the wiles of the devil if there's nothing to stand on. Go over to Isaiah chapter um, chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. <clears throat> I want to take a look at a, a couple of places here in Isaiah. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 7 and... Uh, <clears throat> And in verse 9, and I understand the context of what is uh, uh, being talked about here. Uh, the Lord is uh, talking about some pending judgment, some things to come, uh, talking about uh, the idea and the concept of uh, where the, the heads are uh, of these respective uh, peoples and countries and what's going on. But uh, in verse 9, it says, And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of uh, Samaria is uh, Romelia's son. Uh, but But look at this part. After he's given all of this prophecy and talk about what's going to happen, he says, if you will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. I, I remember reading that and thinking to myself, wait a second. He just said, I'm going to give you a prophecy, and if you don't believe it, you're going to fall. One of the ways that our establishment erodes is through unbelief. We are not going to be established if we don't believe. Now, that may seem like a very kind of, if you will, simplistic kind of duh (laughs) thought, but the, the, therein is the, is the concept. We struggle sometimes with believing God, trusting Him, and then we turn around and we wonder why we fall. It's a matter of trusting God. It's a matter of believing Him at His Word and doing things in obedience with, you know, faith that, that, that's going to lead to that established process, that established pattern, that established foundation in our life. 
if we don't believe God, then we are going to not have an established walk. This is all about pondering our, uh, you know, our paths. This is all about letting our ways be established is we go through this process and, and we have to ask ourselves in the part, part, part of the prod, the, the pondering is this. Do I really believe what God is telling me? And look, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to do that on a day to day basis. When we go through and we're faced with a, with a temptation, temptation's coming to us and we go, Lord, Lord, I, oh, where's the escape hatch? He shows us the escape hatch. And then we're like, okay, I see it. He's given us a way of escape. And then do we believe it? Are we going to open it? Are we going to head that direction? Or are we going to still muscle through and think that we don't need to escape? And rather than escaping and fleeing, we're going to try to do the wrong fight and we're going to try to overcome and we can't. And we fall. Here's the process. If we don't have belief in our life, we will have an unstable walk. It will be the equivalent of walking when you've got marbles in your shoes. It will be uncomfortable and you are going to probably twist an ankle or injure yourself or fall. Turn over to Isaiah 54. And this goes back to this part where we saw over in chapter 16 of Proverbs where he was, uh, you know, saying committing on the works unto the Lord and, uh, and the thought shall be established. Those works, those are things that we're supposed to be doing. Those works that we do are supposed to be good works according to Ephesians 2.10. But very clearly we have more of an emphasis in Isaiah chapter 50, uh, 54. Um, <clears throat> and if you will look at uh, verse uh, 14. It says, in righteousness, thou shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for uh, thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Now look, I understand exactly what he's talking about here. He's talking about wherein we are standing. And it's only in righteousness. You know, we are established in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have his righteousness. Praise God for it. Because our righteousness is his filthy rags. So the end result that we start thinking about with this is how much righteousness is really present. If that's where we're established then the thought process is it goes back over to there where the wicked is not going to be established. Then, then we understand that the righteous will be, then we should be desiring to fill our life with as much righteousness as humanly possible. Because the more righteousness we have, the less opportunity we have for sin to come in. 
So if all of our works are committed and devoted unto righteousness, then I no longer have any works to commit to that which is evil and sinful. Simple math problem. Bob the Builder has 12 contractors. He commits 12 contractors to do the work in his project. How many contractors does he have to commit to another project? Nothing. God makes it pretty simple about this thought process. If we are going to to, 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 to go through this day-to-day battle, it starts with an established heart thought life. This is how we begin to do that. Now, Lord willing, we'll find out a little bit more about this and kind of think about this because sometimes we get into these weird, this weird mentality and, 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 and there's all sorts of crazy things that creep in. Uh, you know, again, I've talked about how humanism creeps into the church. We even have to a degree, sometimes uh, the Gnostic mentality creeps in about the, how our flesh operates versus our spirit. And I tell you, it gets really crazy really quickly, and we see that we can easily believe something that isn't true. But again, it starts with the established thought of the heart. That's where we need to be. So we'll pick up with this, uh, Lord willing, next week. But let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity to study your word. I pray, Lord, that we've learned something today, and Lord, or we've reinforced something in our understanding of what you want for us in this life. Again, Lord, I thank you for all that you've given to us, that we can combat those things that are against us through you and through your word and through your Holy Spirit. Lord, again, I pray you just continue to be with us uh, for the 11 o'clock hour, that we would please you and honor you through worship, praise, and just learning from you. These things I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.